Our guest today is Meg Mankey, and this is the Talented Human Podcast. Gary B tweeted on Twitter saying, hey, I really need help on YouTube. Please email me. They ended up offering me a job to work as a YouTube analyst on Team Gary. Or in control of you. What you learn is focusing on reflection for the past couple of years. It's really incredible because you're able to see benchmarks uh, in your own life. For me, I just joined it out of time because I was just worried. The thing that's relatively fast right now is because I was watching. You don't need universities anymore. I totally believe that. Like, are you interested in it? Are you passionate about it? Are you excited about it? Have you explored yourself enough to know? Is entrepreneurship something you're cut out for? So today I'm having a conversation with Meg Mankey. She is a co-founder of a very beautiful company that you guys are already very familiar with because we talked to the other co-founder of this company, CEO, um, Rachel, in the last episode. And um, I needed to continue this conversation with, um, you know, with what they're doing and get the other side of the uh, of the enterprise and, and talking to Meg. So Meg has years of experience in in leading through transition. She's um, uh, helped uh, companies and managing companies um, and, you know, through acquisition, 100 million acquisition. She wrote a book with Rachel called um, IX Leadership. She is a ranch child kid she um she ran uh you know she ran a ranch with her family and not a small 10 acre ranch she's nine thousand acres or more ninety thousand acres i can't remember the number per se but it's it's a big ranch 300 plus cows and they still doing it um and because of that background she is very very, very keen on getting things done and making sure that things get done. Uh, she calls herself very stubborn in that sense, which makes me think of my co-founder, Ellie Hutterly, who is, um, you know, very stubborn about getting things done. If I, I, nothing will get done on my end without her. So uh, with that said, and without this crazy introduction, I want to welcome into the show a very, very successful person, a very talented human, Meg Mankey. Welcome to the show. Hey, Jay. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here today. How crazy was that intro? I always say that I plan them and then I just go with whatever feels right for me. Well, you're probably pretty chaos tolerant then. I am. I am. I am one of those people that the world could be ending and I'm calm and collected. All right. Well, but uh, you're probably a fixer or an independent in our world. Oh, I feel like I'm deja vu. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's exactly what Rachel said. She even said, I'm going to send you the book because I, I, uh, you're going to see it. You're going to see it right there and there. Yeah. And uh, she didn't use fixer, but she said, uh, I'm an independent for sure. Um, yeah. And uh, I actually, I can say I agree. I, I, I've always been this like uh, kind of happy-go-lucky, see as it comes. Like I used to be like the complete opposite though. As when I was younger, like very affected by everything. The littlest thing would like trigger me and like get me mad. And 
and bother and like I just couldn't see things through really quickly and now it's like yeah you know it's gonna happen it's gonna happen <laughs> nothing I can do if I can do something I will do something but if it's outside my control then I just let things go there you go that's uh mm-hmm. that's that's one way to handle it for sure there are other people in the world who don't handle it that way <laughs> yeah so you guys you guys um you guys solve people problems. You guys solve other people's people's problems uh, when it comes to business. You guys help companies shape and create, you know, excellent work environments where where people you know feel value, feel you know properly utilized in a way, and where they can feel themselves and and be part of a community and be part of like a, a something bigger than than themselves and. I think that's something that's very, very important today in entrepreneurship, because um, especially because we have so many young entrepreneurs um, today. Uh, it's one of the reasons I started the show, um, because there are many things that that you know, someone like you and, and me who have seen certain level of experiences and and that we know, um, you know, ourselves very well. We've experienced, you know the good, the bad, and the ugly, basically, and, you know, through our short, but, you know, longer than others' careers, and, and I, I, you know, I just say, um, one of the things that the young people might miss is, like, understanding of human behavior, the understanding of, like, what makes someone, you know, how can you extract the maximum potential of each person that you work with not in the sense of like let me use you for what you can do but let me help you be the best person of yourself um, so that not only you do something that you feel proud of but you also work for a company that you feel proud of yeah yeah we um we've had an opportunity to engage with lots of different entrepreneurs and i think you know the thing that's uh, true for entrepreneurs, um, all pe- all people in business, but I think um, especially entrepreneurs, is that um, they're really good at what they know and what they do, and so it they might not be good at knowing and understanding uh, their people, and so that not being able to know and understand their people makes it seem like that's not as important. It's not that they, I mean, intellectually, they understand that you're, you know, everybody understands like your people are important because if you didn't have them, you wouldn't have a business. Um, but I think that uh, when, you, when you're when you sort of ingrained in the thing that you're amazing at, you don't realize how much of an impact the people will have on your business if they're not well cared for. And so that's what we really do when we engage with um, any of our clients is we, we talk about their team dynamics and say, we want to help you maximize and leverage all of the best energy out of your people so that you're not leaving any of that on the table. So that you've got all the fuel you need, all the fuel you can get out of every person um, to, to get your, you know, your rocket into space. So that's really what we do focus on. And, you know, it's no different than people. It's kind of funny. People get a little bit cagey about it. They're like, oh, well, I know my people or I know my business. Um, but I, I might need a little help here or there. And I, and I always say to, to those folks, 
Um, you know, we never think that you don't know your people or your business. It's your business. They're your people. You get to run it how you want. Um, but, but we're, you know, my example is we are people people. So we hire someone to do our accounting work. It, it's, it's not that you, it doesn't mean that um, you're short of skills. It means that you're focused, you're acutely focused on running your business. Then you let someone else be acutely focused on helping you with your folks. Yeah, no, and that's, uh, I, I, I agree. I mean, I'm, I, I still like, I'm an, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur, I have a business, uh, but one of the things that I always um, try to focus on when I, when I talk to, to, you know, potential clients or potential employees is what can I do to, um, to make it better for, for them? How do I make them feel that this is not just the business transaction? This is more collaborative in a way. This is more, um, you know, I have your best interest if you have mine. And if we work together, you know, because yes, I am the expert. I can brand your company. Let's create branding. Let's do the branding. Let's do, let's create something that, that is magical and that, I, you know, it pushes your, you know, your revenues through the roof, right? Yep. But it's not just me. It's me and you who are going to build this because it is at the end of the day still your company. It is at the at the end of the day, and not everyone sees things that way. Not every not every business owner is going to say, "Yeah, I want to collaborate with you." Some of them might say, "No, do do whatever the hell you want to do, and you get it done." And in my and my and I'm like, "Yeah, but I still need your input." So how do I build that? How do I get that relationship? Because everybody's so different and the same thing happens in the workplace. I mean, I, I work at companies for a long time and I saw, always saw the differences between people. And I always realized when people were missing the mark on, because, well, two different, complete different personalities that would never agree on anything. So. Yeah. Well, and that's the, um, the, the funny magic, I guess, about what we talk about is um, the people who drive you the most nuts are the people that you, uh, need the most because they have skills usually opposite of yours, skills and preferences opposite of yours. So, you know, if somebody is uh, what we call order tolerant and they really, you know, like they, they like to organize chaos and then they ask a lot of questions. And if you're chaos tolerant and the person who asks all the questions in the meeting drives you bonkers, because you're like, seriously, can we just move on? I don't feel like this conversation needs that much uh, you know, attention right now, pretty sure somebody's going to send out an email and make sure we're all up to date on whatever's going on. But that person who's asking those detailed questions, um, those preferences about organizing chaos and minimizing unplanned, uh, unplanned chaos, those are the kinds of people who make sure your day-to-day -day stuff gets done. And so that's really what we teach, um, folks when we talk to them is that the people who drive you the most crazy are also your greatest asset because they see exactly, um, they see all your blind spots uh, that in that is the world they live in. And so really understanding that and leveraging those connections between people um, instead of saying, I don't know, you know, Jay drives me crazy. He, he's chaos tolerant. He's all over the place. I can't ever get him to sit still for five minutes 
I just, I'm going to quit talking to him. I'm just going to do all the things myself. Instead of having that conversation in your own head or at the water cooler or with your spouse or your friends at dinner on Friday night and being upset, you can say, you know what? There are certain things that Jay does in his role in our organization that I would never want to do. And I'm really happy he's here to do those things. And I bet you he's really happy I'm here to do the things that he would never be good at because he'd probably be fired if he had to do, you know, create agendas for every meeting that we had or organize. Yeah, exactly. Or organize, you know, all of the do project management for every new project that comes along. And so teaching people to understand and appreciate why people see the world differently from them um, is really what we focus on so that you can have better conversations and that actually increases productivity. So there's a good business sense in it. It's not just all, you know, hugs and, holding hands and you know beer taps and beanbags it's actually the, the point of what we do is to increase um business efficiency yeah that and that's something like we you know as entrepreneurs we put so much emphasis on like oh you know what can i do for my business to be more productive more efficient you know how can we maximize everything how can we automate everything um in in a, in a utopia for me it'll be like oh everything in my life is fully automated and I don't have to worry about it. Like that would be ideal. Like not just my business, but everything in my life. Like if I could like automate every single process for me, it would be great because then that gives me all the creative freedom to be as creative as I want to be and not have to worry about like, Oh, groceries or this, or, you know, like, I have to go to a meeting. I have to do this. I have to do that. Like, like, just like, how can I, you know, maximize everything to, to like, to have the most optimal way of getting it done. And uh, because here's the thing, while I am very chaos tolerant, while I am very, um, you know, in a way unorganized, I am also someone that likes to get things done. And I live for things to get done. The thing is that when you get with someone that's very organized and very stubborn and very about getting things done, you know, like I feel like the difference and correct me if I'm wrong, because you like the expert on this, but I, I feel like the difference is patience. Um, because I can wait. I can be patient. So I can understand that some things might take longer while someone that's more structured, more like, it's like why is this not done? why can it be done faster or why you know that's the uh the area where um where i see the differences and i don't know maybe maybe i'm wrong no i think um that's probably a pretty good way to classify it uh, people who are order tolerant um it uh i would say unplanned chaos creates potential for crisis in their world where if you're if you are chaos tolerant unplanned chaos creates opportunity. And so uh, here's a great example. Uh, this really made me chuckle. We, I volunteered my kids to serve coffee and cookies at our church, um, let's see, last weekend. And I, the, the woman who called and I set it all up with her, she said to be there at 9.45, or at least that's what I thought. Cause you know, I'm chaos tolerant. I'm like, well, we'll be there sometime between 9.30 and 9.45. So that'll be fine. But I'm pretty sure she told me 9.45. So we get there and the woman who handles all of the, she's in charge of the kitchen. 
uh, must be like a negative 50 order tolerant woman because we got there and she'd already found someone else to serve coffee and cookies. Now, mind you, this is, people could do it themselves. It doesn't even need, it requires no human. It's automated as it were, you know, like people can get their own cookies, they can pour their own coffee. Um, but she, it, it made that unplanned chaos created a crisis for her so that when we were five minutes later than she thought we were supposed to be there, she had already managed to beg a favor off of a woman and her daughter and they were serving the coffee, i.e. just standing there being very nice to people while they grab their cup of coffee. <laughs> um, and she was like really panicked about it. And I said, gosh, I'm really sorry. I, I was under the impression we were to be here at 945. She goes, oh no, they might've told you that, but 930 is much better. All right, noted for next time. So it, it, is, a, it is a matter of um, patience or tolerance, I guess, for yeah. how long you can let chaos live in your world. And if you actually like it, you know, some people are like, yes, a new opportunity to do something different. Some people just want to wilt. Yeah, and I, I, I agree with you on the, on the side of opportunity because I am like that. I, every time I, you know, for lack of a better expression, every time shit hits the fan, I'm like, okay, well, what can we do with all this shit? Like, <laughs> yeah, let's pick it all up. Pick it all yeah, up. Let's, yeah, let's, 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 let's get it. Let's, you know, something will come out of this. And, um, and then I've, I've worked with other people who are like, no, it's like shit hits a fan and they might as well be part of that shit that hit the fan because the world is like a complete chaos. Like, and to me, that's, um, I don't know, it's always been fascinating to like be on the opposite side of someone, um, you know, from a, from a human behavior standpoint, like when you, when you see like the, the things that you kind of understand yourself, because you're like, how can someone be like that? Because you're in a certain way different. And, and, and I feel like that is, it's a very important thing that entrepreneurs need to understand. It's like, you need to be able to understand the behavior of others and why they are the way they are and how to, you know, as a, as a boss, as an entrepreneur, as a CEO, as a, as a leader of your organization, you need to understand how to manage it. And, um, and this is why I thought, uh, you know, after I like, speaking with Rachel and now speaking with you, the level of importance of what you guys do. And because, you know, you basically, you know, you'll go into an organization with, there might be chaos or maybe too much structure and you need to figure out how to balance it all out to make sure that, you know, the independence and chaos tolerant people are, you know, maximized and getting all their stuff. And then on the other hand, the, the order, uh, what is it that you call them? Order, order tolerant. Order, order, order tolerant people. Yeah. And, uh, and the, you know, the dependent in a way they have to be, you know, also performing at a high level so that, like Rachel said, you don't find all that money that you're losing that you're not seeing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, what we see with entrepreneurs, um, it's kind of funny. It sort of depends on where you're at. You know, if it's a, if it's a brand new, brand newish, two years in, we'll say startup, um, entrepreneurs are typically chaos tolerant. And so they're not the, they, they like shit to get done but they're not the getter getters donor necessarily. You know, if it's, if it's, well, we need to, you know, apply for a sales tax license or we need to apply for some permit or we need to do this and that. 
they might procrastinate and put that off and put that off because, man, that just sounds like a real drag. They know they have to get it done, but they don't really want to have to do it. So in the first couple of years, they will align themselves with other people who are creative and innovative. And they want to, as you said, like pick up all the shit and say, all right, let's, what can we do with all this? Um, and so in the first couple of years, if we work with an organization, they're like, man, we, we're so excited. We're so passionate. We just, we can't wait for this to really start working, but it hasn't started working yet. We don't really get why it's not working. We say, well, who's doing the things? You know, who do you have? Do you have somebody who's doing accounting or do you have somebody who's put some HR policies and procedures in place so that, you know, there's sort of fair and consistent treatment across the organization? Because that's always an issue. Um, do you have a budget? Uh, do you have some goals lined out? And they're like, well, n- no, I don't think so. Well, maybe. Well, yeah, maybe like in our C drive, there's some sort of document that we created when we first started this whole thing. And so a lot of times with really uh, new entrepreneurs, they align themselves with people who are more like them, chaos tolerant, like to be innovative, excited about opportunity. Um, And then when you get past the two years, you know, they've then said, oh, gosh, I have to hire somebody to do the accounting. I have to hire somebody to um, submit sales tax. I have to hire somebody to do the things that I don't get done. Um, or that we don't get done. And so at that point in the, um, in, in the business cycle, they say, we're so frustrated with these people. We know we need them because they do important work, but my God, they have a lot of questions there. And they feel, we feel like we can't ever move anything forward because we can't do it this way. And we can't do it that way. And everybody doesn't agree. And, and so it's, it's really fascinating depending on which part of the business cycle, the startup cycle, um, an entrepreneur is in as to what their challenges are and how they, how they're seeing their people. And so to your point, really understanding, um, how your people are moving through change and, and where they're at with it versus where you're at with it and how, what kind of comfort level you have with change is super important. And it actually will, it, it will, it will help you sleep better because those are the kinds of things that keep entrepreneurs awake. Like, why can't I get through to Jane? because Jane sees the world exactly opposite of you and you need her to. And so how do you communicate with her so that she feels more comfortable and can be more productive and happier? Yeah, yeah, that is absolutely key. Let me ask you a question because I, well, there's a topic that, that is, you know, sits at the core of, um, of what we do here on the Talented Human podcast, and that is mental health. Yes. How does... The lack of understanding on how to like manage and and deal with these differences in, in human behavior and personalities can affect an entrepreneur, you know, stress levels, anxiety levels. Because like, I, here's the thing: when we think mental health, we think the big the big thing with the, you know schizophrenia and like you know dementia and all that you know Alzheimer's and all the the big ones, but to me, like the more worrisome are stress and anxiety. And, and when you're an entrepreneur, you can find yourself within a great deal of stress really fast and not even know it, or a great deal of anxiety and not even know it, because maybe it's the people around you. Maybe it's uh, the, the, you know, the, the fact that you can't communicate properly with them and that you can't do um, a lot of things or that you can't understand each other um, 
and 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 understand you know the roles that each person plays and how do you guys um you know how do you personally or you know professionally see that as an effect especially when you're working with entrepreneurs yeah well you know i mean stress is uh, the number one trigger for all major physical and mental health issues um 70 some crazy number like 73% of people report feeling um stress that that impacts their mental health okay so 73% of all people so if you take out you know the people who are the most stressed in the world i don't know like maybe new entrepreneurs right they're they're tracking really high mental mental health stress anxiety issues um and that sort of bleeds out into all the different parts of your life your personal life your professional life and people can sense um when there's tension or anxiety and so the way i kind of think about um stress at work is um if uh let's say you have a pet right um and let's say on a wednesday evening after a really long day of work you come home and that pet has messed on the floor and you're just like i cannot I cannot handle this. You know, like you just want you want to just call the Humane Society and say, mm, I have a dog to donate to you. Like, I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to clean it up. You're really short with an animal, an animal who literally can't speak the same language as you, doesn't really understand why you're so upset because they probably messed on the floor three hours ago. So they're like, hey, bro, I just wanted to high five you. I'm really glad you're home. I've been waiting for you to get here all day. Right? But on a Wednesday afternoon or Wednesday evening after a long day of work, there's so much stress and anxiety. Your brain is thinking about what's going on. The way you handle that situation is very different than how you might handle it, say, on a Saturday morning. So let's say a Saturday morning, you don't have a lot going on. You get up, you have some coffee, kind of thinking about what you're going to do for the day. And you, you, know, you walk into the laundry room, pet mess on the floor. And you're like, oh, geez, come on, Fido. Do you, really, do you have to do that? And so I think about the way we interact with each other in the sense of if you're super stressed and anxious, you're going to have more of a Wednesday evening interaction with people. If you're not so stressed and anxious, you're going to have more of a Saturday morning interaction with people. And so really thinking about um, how that stress is impacting your mental health and accepting, that's the key, is accepting that that impacts how you interact with other people and how your brain processes information. And knowing that matched up with your culture type is, is really where you can, that's kind of the, the magic intersection of being able to be a better manager of humans and your own self. That kind of blew my mind a, a little bit, the analogy with the Wednesday and Saturday perfectly perfectly stated like that that was um yeah no, that's so true like um and even for for people like i mean I'm, i always tell myself that i'm pretty good at managing my stress i'm not gonna say and lie, sit here in line and say that i don't get stressed out i get stressed out um but i'm really good at, at managing and and sometimes it's like i always try to find and i've always tried to define it like who is that person that I tap into whenever I, I'm going to like, I know that I'm stressed, but I still need to communicate with others. And, and yeah, I'm going to start calling it Saturday afternoon, Jay or Saturday morning, Jay, instead of like, because like I, it's, it's, 
it, it makes sense. You know, I'm, I'm I'm very chill on Saturdays, but talk to me on a Wednesday night and like <laughs> yeah, right, a little bit different. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And especially if you're like dealing with like issues at, at the you know with the work and the clients and all that stuff, that could be could be a little bit detrimental. Um, your background is it's um it's fascinating to me uh you know like how does someone how does someone like like you who um you know grow, grows up in a farm in a ranch you know goes into finance and and business because like, i i feel like you know when when you are in that network, in that world of ranching, like you said, your whole family is still doing it, you know, mm -hmm. it, it, you know, it, it becomes internal. It becomes like a, a part of you. Mm -hmm. um, how do you like, like how, how did you realize that, okay, well, that was not the route that you were going to take, that you were going to do something different, that you were going to go to university and study business or whatever and and you know end up working with people and and not ranching yeah I um well I, I think probably what really happened uh we, boy we we really we worked hard but we didn't know I mean we didn't know I'm the oldest of three girls so we didn't have brothers to go out and do the work or whatever you know we were out fixing fence and working cows and doctoring animals or whatever we were doing. Um, and so we didn't really think we worked hard. We just thought that was, that just was life. Um, but I, I was working with my dad one summer. So we had the ranch and then he also had an excavating business. So in the summertime when he'd get contracts for excavating, we'd go, we'd get up at about four or five in the morning and we go ride on the cows and then we go work all day um digging trenches and putting in new sewer and water line and stuff like that and so my job was to work in the ditch um to make sure that you know the the water line got put together correctly or that everything was level or there weren't rocks by the pipe so it would break the pipe and uh it was really there was one day it was so hot oh my gosh it was like 100 degrees and it was just miserable. Um, and I climbed out of the ditch and, and I said to my dad, man, I, I love you and I don't mind working hard, but I really hate this. I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. And he looks at me and he goes, well, I'm glad to know that my plan worked. And I said, what do you mean? Your, what do you mean your plan worked? And he said, I figured if I worked you hard enough at some point, you'd realize that going to college you know, and getting an education and using your brain because you're brilliant um, to make an impact in the world would be um, a better way for you to live and, and, and be happy and make an impact in the world. He said, what we do, you know, ag industry is incredibly important uh, to whatever, everything, socioeconomics. Um, but he said, I, I, you, have, you have a magic that you need to go explore. Um, and so the reason I picked finance when I went to school was uh, I just I just thought it's fascinating because uh, farmers and ranchers are what we call price takers uh, when it comes to economics. So 
whatever the whatever the stock market or the market dictates a, a cow is worth or a, you know a bushel of grain is worth is what you get period you don't get to say no no i want more nope you just take what you get when you go to market and um i i just i thought that was really interesting um I, w I wanted to study that and understand it better why that was that way and see if there was any way to modify that frankly because i watched my my folks struggle my whole life because the cattle market fluctuates um so much that i thought you know if there was a way to uh be less price taker you know and somehow make it work better uh or more fairly i by god i was going to figure it out so that's why i got a finance degree i was going to get a law degree actually i was accepted into a accelerated law program um but boy i took a couple of political science classes and of course was really watching a lot of news and decided I wasn't crooked enough to be a lawyer. So I <laughs> you see, I thought, I thought of being a lawyer and my head was like, I am way too bad to be a lawyer. <laughs> well, I, am way, I was like, I am way too, no, I would have been a phenomenal lawyer, but in my, my moral compass told me like you might be a little too greedy <laughs> to be a lawyer because <laughs> uh -huh. uh, i'll be like you got money did you do it don't let me know yeah <laughs> don't don't tell me now you don't can tell me. me later don't tell don't me now tell me they tell me after i get you off yeah like, <laughs> yeah right you can tell me over a drink uh, yeah don't exactly me. when we're counting the the money uh, <laughs> like to me that was like um i was like uh law is kind of like a i don't know it's like i didn't like politics and law like i always um yeah uh but i i get you on the political science classes because i did have to take one and i was like uh and i feel bad for the ones i have to take now because well, yeah, it's it's like being a you know it's like being a philosophy major or something. It's like nobody's right, nobody's wrong. I, I mean, know. it's been that way, but yeah. Well, that we could have a whole other podcast about that. Yes, you know. <laughs> oh, sorry. I I could have a podcast called Jay is pissed off at the U.S. government system in general. Like, <laughs> let's talk about that. Like, what what affects you the most? Well, I left the U.S., I live in Germany now, and I still get mad when I see the things that are happening, like, um, on both sides, I'm not gonna... Oh, I know, they're all ridiculous. You know, like, can we, can we get some fresh blood in there? <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, we definitely need it, like, I, at first I was like, yeah, no, you know, you can have a career as a politician, now it's like, oh, I don't know, dude, don't do that, like, your yeah. politicians are bad, they... <laughs> Reminds me of um of um a Batman quote from The Dark Knight um when um Harvey Dent says you either you know uh, die a hero or live long enough to become the villain. Oh yeah. So yeah. yeah, I think that applies phenomenally to that whole career politician thing. You start off like I'm gonna save the world, but then if you stay yeah. too long in there. The right, corruption of it all just gets you and you end up like Mitch McConnell. 
There you go. See? <laughs> I don't want that. I, yeah. Or Nancy Pelosi. Like, like neither one of the two. Like, <laughs> I don't like either. Um, uh, I might respect Nancy a little bit more than than, uh, than Mitch McConnell because he's just too blind, like too, 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 whatever. And, uh, but yeah, that affects my mental health. Um, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I, I think like, I, I think that's beautiful The you know, what your, your dad did. Um, I'm a, I'm a sucker for, um, you know, the stories when, when dad comes along and like, does all these things. My dad, I have a very, an extremely good relationship with mine. And, um, I think that the person I am today is because every little thing that he did as I was growing up from like the things that he talked about the lessons he taught me, the way he taught me lessons, um, they kind of shaped me. And like, there was some so contrasting from my mother who is a saint. Um, and, uh, but it, you know, it was like, she had her more like worry mom behavior. And my dad was just like, dude, life's going to hit you hard. You better fucking get ready and uh, learn from this and learn from that. And my dad used to lost us. He left and right. And, um my mom on the other hand's like your emotions your feelings and i'm like logic and all of that so like philosophy philosophy on one end emotions on the other logic in the middle i'm like i don't know what to do <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah no i think um i think that 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 whole thing that he did um to to kind of make you see you know that you have extra potential and and the ability to, because I mean, he might have been lying. You might have not have any magic, but he planted that seed in there um, to, you know, for you to believe in yourself. And, and I think that's, uh, that's so powerful. That's so strong. Like if I, if you, you know, from whichever way you look at it, maybe one day you can ask him and be like, Hey dad, like someone said this. <laughs> it's a scenario, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Do I really love magic? Or no, really, did I really, or were you just like, you know? Uh, but no, uh, all jokes aside, um, I think um, I think it's actually really good that um, that, that happens. And I, I for for the youth of today, which like I think they're trying to figure out, you know, what's next, and because the economy is changing, the world that we live in is changing, the way that we learn and educate ourselves is changing um that is um that is like one of those things that that somehow um today feels that the kids need to be more proactive they need to understand themselves better they need to grow up faster in a way i mean uh, how old are your, your kids uh, my girls are uh, 10 and 11. Exactly. So they're going to start getting to a point where, you know, um, um, you know, they're going to get to the point where they, they're going to have to start figuring out what they want to do, you know, middle school, high school, potentially college, you know, like, is, is, is it going to be, you know, it, are their passions and their dreams going to be aligned to anything that's being taught today? Do they, are, you know, could they learn all the stuff outside of university. Like I find myself in, you know, and I, you know, went to university. Um, 
believing less and less on it, not because I don't see the value in it. It's just because, well, technology is just like steamrolling on it. Like uh, I had uh, the, the episode I went live today was with um, two university professors who, you know, somewhat agree with me. And that's why they like push into, you know, their students to think differently and to do things differently, even though the school system's still the same. They're saying, okay, well, we as, as educators change the way we push and we drive our our our, our students, and um, and I think you know entrepreneurship. We're just seeing the tip of the iceberg with it. Like, there's still more to come, and um, I don't know. I just think that 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 that, that was something like really. We need more parents like yours. We need yeah. more that can tell your kids, you know, doesn't matter how or, you know, just make sure that you follow and you do, you know, you, you maximize your potential. I think that's important. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is important. And, you know, I'm not, as far as uh, going, to, going to college goes, um, I don't think it's for everyone. But I will say for myself as a career woman and also an entrepreneur, there's no way I would be where I am today if I wouldn't have gotten a degree, you know, and because not only, not only the actual education in the classroom, but the time you spend in sort, I mean, you get to be sort of like, um, you're in a safe, you're like in a little incubator, you know, and it's a safe place to operate, but as an individual, uh, I, I just, I think that's really a valuable experience. Um, I don't know. And I think that, you know, I got my master's degree online. You still get to engage with a lot of people and all the the dialogue and everything. So th- there is that component to it. But there's just something really important about sitting in a classroom and learning with a group of people. And I think even if you're order tolerant, you know, or if you're uh, or if you're self-driven and you're not interested in, in you know, collaborating with people, it's just because I'm not. Um, it's just, I don't know, there's something about it. I, I really appreciated my experience at college. Yeah, um, I feel the same way. So I, you know, I, I, I absolutely, um, there's some people that never went to college or they might not have finished college and they were super successful. So I don't think it's the only way to get there. Um, but I do think it's, it's a, it, it damn sure doesn't hurt anything to go. I mean, other than your pocketbook, my God, it's so expensive nowadays, but. That, that alone will be the uh like you know <laughs> that's another topic that's another podcast <laughs> yes again i know you better rewrite these down we've created two new podcasts we've created, so yeah, we created two new podcasts this is amazing um i you know i i agree 100 percent with you on on the experience of of you know attending university i mean i i got to attend at a, at a really good time in my life i mean i it took me forever to get it done because, well, I have some issues in, in between, you know, that I had to deal with. And I, um, but I'm happy. Like, I, I'm happy that I have that experience that I can, that I can talk about it. I, you know, those days and, you know, getting up from your dorm and going to class and, you know, deciding to drive instead of walking and then not finding parking and being late for class. And, <laughs> Yes, all of those lessons. Are yeah, very yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. They they teach you. So I think I honestly I one hundred percent think that I learn more from the experiences from the 
from the live experiences that I I I, I lived in in you know the university campus than the actual classroom. And you know, and and I'm a scientist. That tells you a lot. <laughs> that is true. That Even is though true. I decided to use to do physics as as the as the, the main main uh, major of my pre med, just because I failed it in high school and it took me forever to understand it and to like get it right. That when I went to when they gave me the the option of like choosing a science to be the the main part of my degree, I was like, I'm gonna make physics my bitch. <laughs> <laughs> And, and and it was the other way around. It made me it's like it made me she made me this bitch. I love physics. Now I understand it even better. Um you know, the science of everything and everything that we do, the matter that doesn't exist. Yeah, that's right. It doesn't, but somebody has to believe it does. So earlier in our conversation, you said something um to the degree of like how you and Rachel um, got together for you know to form your company and I, I told you it was beautiful and it was fascinating you said we have the same you work underground in a gold mine and you and she worked in outer space stuff and you both said we have the same people's problem from underground to outer space The, uh, the, the, the beauty of that statement for me is like, that applies to pretty much everything. And, and across industries as, as entrepreneurs, we all face the same issues. We all face the same problems and the same. Um, what has been internally for you guys as people fixing, you know, people, how have you guys handled those scenarios within your own um, organization? How do you guys build a team and, and follow your, your, your philosophies and your, and your, you know, trainings um, to, to make sure that your company also stays, because sometimes we, we forget, you know, if you're in branding or marketing, your marketing is not the best. You do everything better for your companies for the, that you work for. And then like, because you're so busy handling client work, um, yours might become an afterthought. Um, how do you like, how do you, how do you guys manage that? So I think it's interesting. Like you guys almost have the best people. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, we, yeah, we have, we have some stubborn people. We, we, we have to hire, you know, Rachel and I are, um, we've been told many, many times that we are intimidating, um, and a force to be reckoned with. So we have to hire strong people, uh, that can tell us when we need to shut up or pivot or, you know, think about something differently or, you know, look at our, look at our own blind spots. So, I think, you know, um, and we have this conversation a lot that we need to be sure that we're um, managing our business the way we encourage our clients to manage their business. Uh, and so it, really our number one rule uh, is transparency. That, you know, you have to, whether it's with your clients, uh, your employees, your colleagues, uh, you have to be transparent about what's going on. 
especially kind of what you're feeling uh, and thinking about a certain situation. Uh, we just actually had a conversation a couple days ago with um, uh, some people we were working with and uh, there was parts of the communication that was breaking down on their end. And so it was kind of weird because we're having this phone conversation and uh, some people are on the video and some people aren't. So you can't see everybody's face and, and, and folks started getting a little cagey about, well, why hasn't this been done? Why hasn't that been done? And when I say folks, I mean, Rachel and I, because there were things that were not being done that we expected to have done. Um, and then of course we were met with some caginess back and some defensiveness. And I just said, I just said, Hey, let's just stop for a minute talking about the business of the business and let's talk about everybody's expectations and you know and how did we how did this conversation evolve into what it is now and let me share my perspective about you know kind of where my head's at and why I'm frustrated or disappointed with the process um, and then everybody kind of you know talked about the, the, all the people on the call and you could feel the tension sort of melt away. And then we were able to go back in and, and address the business concerns. Um, and that that felt a lot more clean. Like we could actually just talk about what was going on um, as opposed to, well, I'm trying to, in my head, I'm trying to sort out like, how are you feeling? And what are you thinking? And do you think I'm being an asshole? Cause I know I am, but I'm doing it because I got to stand up for myself. So we just really talk a lot about transparency in, in all things, um, and it has served us really well. And Rachel and I have had some um, miserably transparent conversations <laughs> about how we interact with each other and, and you know, expectations of each other. And um, we just know there are certain things like uh, when, when, when one or both of us is traveling for work, which happens often, uh, we get a little bit weird uh, with each other because it's like, well, I haven't seen you and I don't, I know what you're intellectually, I know that you're working and what you're doing, but I don't really know where you're at. And maybe you're not working or did you call this person or did you do this one thing? So we have to be very intentional about putting time in the calendar to speak to each other when we're on travel, um, not on holiday, but like actually traveling for work so that we don't kind of get weird emotional wires crossed. Um, so it is challenging, you know, I mean, there's, it's not like, you know, we say, oh, it's, it, we don't tell people, oh, it's so easy to manage your people better. Yeah, it's not easy, but it makes your life easier if you do it and you're diligent about doing it well. That's, that's very fascinating. I like the, 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 the statement of forces to be reckoned with. I can see that. <laughs> And in very different ways with the two of you. Um, I feel like you're, you might be a little bit more structure, more, you know, like you like your things, you know, you might want to walk into a business and be like, okay, what is the order? You know, how do things, you know, what, what it is, you know, very clean. And I can feel, I, I feel like Rachel might just walk in and be like, Hey, what's up guys? Like, you know, let's get shit done. But doesn't matter. Bomb, a bomb went off let's fix it and uh but like i can see the strong um personalities and the strong uh assertiveness of, of both of you and you know in your roles and in your um capacities to lead and and i think it's fascinating because like when you said like um 
yeah, you you strike me as a as a more strong, you know, sturdy person. Rachel strikes me as a more spirited yet, you know, don't want to fuck with that. Right? <laughs> yep, you gotta sort it out. That's pretty much exactly how we are. We were told a couple of days ago that we share a soul. And I was like, I kind of thought of us more as a two-headed dragon. I don't know about the sharing a soul. <laughs> Uh, well, if you think about it, a two-headed dragon is one body with two heads, so... I know, yeah, I, that's kind yeah. of what we, we ended on. I guess we're a two-headed dragon that shares a soul, so... Maybe, maybe you should change the branding. Yeah, right? <laughs> Oof, that. Um, no, that's... Uh, it's funny because I'm the same way. I'm a very calm, very, you know, easygoing person. I always tell people I'm the nicest person you ever meet. Don't fuck with me, though, because you will meet the meanest, nastiest person you ever meet. Yep. I uh, very black and white in that spectrum. Like I have these uh these moments. I, I I actually been told that I have a look that I give people that literally terrifies them. Oh. I still not figure it out. I've noticed when people be like, whoa, don't look at me like that. What 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 did I do? Like why did you look at me that way? And I'm like, yeah, you were this goes to crossing a line that you don't want to cross. <laughs> um, and, and, and also, you know, that's the moment when people like say, you're, you're not intimidating, but you can be. And like, I know that if I walked into a meeting with you guys, I have to bring my A game because I, I will feel immediately that I am walking into a space where I am, if I am not doing things right, or if I am not bringing value or whatever, you guys are going to doors right there <laughs> bye-bye <laughs> from a business perspective but you guys seem yeah. like very nice people actually uh rachel invited me she's like oh you gotta come to south dakota you know you gotta come and hang out and we <laughs> i thought yeah. it was like you? like two minutes into the conversation oh well yeah you <laughs> and i thought it was great yeah no i i am good i'm gonna be there in december uh in uh in the u.s so maybe i'll uh, i want to do some traveling and Maybe I'll come uh, hang out and uh, maybe experience some of that ranch life. I don't know. Like, you look me up. I'll show you what it's all about. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think um, I, I, I've enjoyed both these conversations with you and Rachel because um, you you both offer value and offer um, insights into into the world of business that that I think our our listeners are going to really enjoy. And 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 I you know. I'm gonna, you know, pack you guys up back to back um, on the schedule because it's, yeah, it's uh, it's almost like part one and two. Yeah, yeah. And I'm really, uh, really enjoying it. And uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe down the road we make, maybe do a a, a follow up to the two episodes where I have you both on it. In it, I think that would be great. Um, yeah. Kind of like a short. Um, uh, closing out the season type of episode because it's uh, it's turning out to be uh, two of my very uh, favorite episodes of the uh, show so far and hope other listeners and other guests don't take it personally but it's just a combination of the two like um, um, it's same with uh, Dr. Todd, Dr. Todd and Dr. Kim Saxton they both um, I got them into the same episode together I almost wish I wouldn't have one in one like I did with you and Rachel and then have 
because they, you know those conversations when you can see two different people that speak the same language that speak the same concepts you know in a separate you know uh, space is better I think than when you have them combined I recommend you listen to the two of them they're very good um, um, on the show but um, yeah very fascinating having you on and I want to say thank you for being on oh thanks that was great I love chatting with you <laughs>